Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. A whole 500? No, you don't have to do the whole 500, but you can oh. do... okay. <laughs> You're like, end, the, like, re- oh end the recording. End the recording. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I am here with my guest today, Mickey. Hi, Mickey. Hi, how's it going? Good, thanks. Um, Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, super excited to be here. (laughs) Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how old you are, where you live, what you do for work, you know, married, single, partnered, all that jazz. Yeah, so I am 28. I live in Boston, Mass. I am a mentor at a um, nonprofit um, working with high school students um, and we are one college students mentoring and not married. I live with two roommates from college and yeah, did I miss anything? No, you know, I actually totally forgot to ask what you make for income because I haven't recorded in so long. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I make now 56. Okay, um, Yeah. And so you, um, when did you, you, you said you did a, you live with your friends from undergrad or you you also have a master's? Yeah, right? I do. I just got my master's in social work, but I live with my friends from undergrad. Um, they moved up to Boston two or three years ago and we ended up living together. So that's nice. Yeah. That's a good way to keep the house in cost lower. Yeah, definitely. You're, you're in one of those expensive cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very expensive over here, but our rent isn't as bad as I think some people pay. No, probably not. Um, And you just finished your master's program. I did. I just finished my master's in social work in May. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so then we probably have some student loans to talk about. Yeah, some student loans there now. (laughs) All right. So why don't you walk me through? You sent me a beautiful spreadsheet. 
Um, I just yeah. want to add a disclaimer that if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you do not have to have a spreadsheet. <laughs> we have a lot of you who have spreadsheets and I love a good spreadsheet, but it's not a requirement. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a newer thing for me. Um, so social in terms of loans, I didn't have any from undergrad. Oh, awesome. um, and so, yeah, I was very lucky and got a full ride to my college. Um, but for social work, I ended up taking $11,990 out over the course of the two years. Um, and that since is then, very have, reasonable, very low, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, I, would, I, would, like <laughs> I always like steady myself for the six figure loan number. Oh yeah, yeah. I've hearing those is like what makes me feel better about my loans, but I still am very anxious about having loans, especially because right now, right, they're not accruing any debt or no, any interest. Like no since interest. I took them out, like it just happened to be at the time that COVID happened, so I never accrued any interest on this debt yet. That's fantastic. February. Yeah. So luckily I'm when I'm paying it back, I'm just paying on the principal right now. So that's gonna help you really get ahead. Because the yeah, interest yes can be mm-hmm. egregious. Um, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm worried about it when it starts coming up. Well, the, the good thing is you'll have already hopefully made a, little, a bit of progress on it since you graduated in May through um, mm-hmm. when they start charging yeah. interest again. Okay, well, let's yeah. walk through. I also have to tell you, I love that you named your like four fun column funsies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, try to have some fun in the midst of figuring everything out. <laughs> Um, so for our listeners, I'm looking at a really awesome, easy to understand spreadsheet because sometimes everyone does it differently. So I like to look at mm-hmm. it too to make sure you know, I can read it. Um, so it's broken down by month, which I like. So each tab is a different month. And then from there, it's broken down by the various expenses. Um, and I believe you're pulling your totals in on the left-hand column. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. So okay. Yeah. So let's go through yeah. this. Yeah, so my income is very um, varied right now. So when I I was working at this nonprofit before I went to school, and I came back and worked. I'm now working for a different department in it. So when I came back, their team was completely like gone. So they were giving me a thousand dollar bonus until they re- rebuilt the team, um, and so that's why my income changes like significantly throughout the like past couple of months. Um, I was also working other jobs during that time. So, but this job is going to, um, it's going to steady out, I think at like 16, around 1600 per paycheck. And I get paid on the like 7th and 21st of the month. Um, so I have still yet to like see a regular month of pay and have Got been it. still operating under the, the, bonuses that I was getting. Um, so that's my income. And so, six, so 1600 am, twice a month is what you think it'll yeah, work out. When yeah, it, that's what I think it's going to end up being. Um, okay. So when I do a lot of my planning, I usually do it with a $3,000 um, plan just because I'm unsure about like what it's actually going to equate to. Mm-hmm. And then I do have a second job um, working at a university for a high school summer program, but they paid me in advance, like for the two semesters, fifteen hundred, and I ended up like putting a lot of that towards my loans. Um, and then in the summer, they'll pay me six thousand to like work at the program for the three weeks that they're happening. Perfect. Okay, so you work. It's um. So you then work for them for the semester as well. That's where you get the. 
Yeah, yeah. So technically, they like can call on me the next two semesters that they're like planning for it. And I like hire their mentors for the program. And then um, I work in the summer when they actually run the program. But they gave you the 3000 upfront. Well, they give me fifteen hundred up front, and then okay. and then I'll get paid six thousand in the summer when I do the actual program. Perfect. Okay, great. Yeah, and you were thinking of using that just for your student loans. Yeah, that's kind of the way I've been operating. Is like any extra money I get, I've been like just throwing towards my loan. So when I get got paid the six thousand over this past summer, they would pay me five hundred per week just to add up to it over like two months, mm-hmm. um, and I would just throw all of the money towards my loan. So I've made a Dent I was going to say, yeah, how much so do you far. have left? How much do you have left? I now have 7,500 left. Amazing. Okay. So then between, so, and when you get paid, you'll get paid 6,000 next summer too. Yes. Yeah. So next summer I'll also get paid 6,000 and I'm hoping like that will be the end of the loans. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, so, cause you have down your loan payment on your well let's walk through your budget first of all I love yeah that you have a second job to kind of tackle this one item yeah. on your you get the student loan so that you can just be done with it and, and you know yeah. focus on other financial goals so I'm always about a side hustle mm-hmm. I think it's better to be my take on it and not everyone's the same but I'd rather you know have a second job or have a side hustle and then be done with something than drag it out yeah, yeah, especially because when I see that number going out to the loans slash my like car payment, I'm just like, oh, I could be using that for something else, <laughs> but just quickly get it done. Yeah, just get it over with, rip that bandaid off. Yeah. Okay, so let let's talk about your your monthly expenses. So you have so you have two roommates. So you have rent and Wi Fi combined, and that comes out to be eight twenty four. We'll just use round numbers. We'll just say eight twenty five. Yeah, yeah. So we're not getting into cents. Um, eight twenty five, which yeah, I think that's a a great price for living in a metro area yeah and it's such a nice apartment he just renovated and everything we got in just like right on time before he started raising rent so he's oh, perfect. a nice landlord and hasn't raised rent on us in the past three years so that's amazing yeah it's very surprising I think he's just waiting for us to move out to like bump it up by a lot you guys are like we're not going anywhere <laughs> yeah like now that we have something slightly affordable <laughs> And then your other expenses are electric and gas, I'm assuming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. we split that, the three of us. And it usually doesn't come, like the summer tends to be the biggest month um, yep. because of the AC. But it doesn't ever come out to more than $50. And I think $50 would be a lot. I think the closest it's come to is like $43. Okay. So we'll use, we'll just use 45 in there and then you have hulu yeah apple music and Mm -hmm. why don't we loop in the gym with that yeah and then we have so your two biggest expenses after housing and wi-fi are your car payment for 300 and then your school loan payment for 500 and so that brings your total expenses to 1685 so 1685 dollars yes Oh, it may be more if oh, I put in it's the, like, more. electric. I was like, let, let me put in, yeah, I was just going to say we don't have electric. I'm going to put that in for yeah. electric. I'm yeah, just if you just it type in. it in, it should add up. Perfect. So we actually come to, with electric, because we want that, $1,730. <laughs> yes. And that's really kind of your bare bones budget. So that's not including groceries, eating out, 
yeah, fun or anything like that. But right. the student loan payment, so you're doing 500 a month every month. Yes, I've been doing 500 a month, and my car payment technically is two, maybe 70, but I've been doing 300. I just like round numbers, I think. So I Me just too. bumped it up to 300. I love round numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes it easier for budgeting if it's a round number. Um, yeah. Okay, so then, so you should be able to be done with those loans, especially because there's no interest on them now uh, through 2022. And then you'll mm-hmm. have basically about six months of interest, maybe a little bit more, but you should be done with them by then. Right. Yeah. And so then I, that $500 can hopefully go, go back. I wasn't sure there and into something else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I also like that, um, your basic expenses work out to be a, essentially, um, one of your paychecks, right? So you're, it's yeah, that's 17, true. 30. I didn't even yeah, and then your first paycheck of the of the month is sixteen hundred, and so you have your mm-hmm. rent, your Wi Fi, your electric, your gas, your Hulu, Apple, car payments, school loan, and gym all covered almost with that first paycheck, and then your second yeah. one is for the other things. Yeah, for everything else. For everything else, but once you get rid of that loan payment, which you should be able to do, I would think you'd have it done by like July, if not August of next year. You'll have that five hundred yeah. back in your budget. Exactly. And then it'll be even less than half my. Exactly. Yeah. So then you'll be living your take home. Okay. So what about, um, so I think that's a fantastic plan. I love that you have that second gig to cover the student loan. It's amazing. Love it. So what about, what are we doing for savings? So it basically is anything that doesn't get spent. So I think the way my budget ended up like rounding out to if on a $3,000 income, Mm -hmm. um, I would have saved like $200, but I obviously make a little bit more than 3000. So in my savings account, I do have $8,940 and 38 cents. Um, perfect, which is my emergency fund. Um, I would like it to be 9,000 rounded out number. So still need to add $60 there, but. (laughs) But you're getting there. Okay. So basically you shoot to save 200 a month out of the 3,000, but really you're really what's coming in is probably closer to 3,200. So you're probably saving about 400. Yeah. Cause you're living on, you're telling yourself you only have 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. I try to like tell myself I have less money than I do so that I don't think I have more to spend. That's perfect. Now, um, I just, health insurance is through work, right? So does that? Yes. Okay. It gets and taken this, out through my job, $50, but I don't ever see that money. So yeah. So your net is your 1600. Okay. And then yes. what about retirement? Do you have a retirement? Um, I do. So they, they take that out of my account too. And I, bumped that up recently because of everything that I've been learning. But initially the job I was at was already um, putting in 2% like that I didn't even know about for the longest time and they matched 2%. So that was happening. And then I actually bumped it up to, so they have a before tax option, which was what I was already in. And then I bumped up They have a Roth 401k to 2%. So I'm putting in 4% and then my 
employer matches me at two. Perfect. So you're doing, and you're doing the Roth 401k at 4%. The Roth 401k, I'm doing 2%. And then they have another option that says before tax 2%. Yes. Pre, so that's like your rate. Separate. Yep. They're, they're separate. And that's your um, pre-tax option, meaning that it goes in before tax. And typically yes. when they match, they match on the pre-tax. Okay. So they're matching that so, portion probably. Yeah. That makes sense. Because or that's what was there before. Not that they're, you don't get the match, but typically corporate companies put their money in pre-tax as an advantage to the company to do to do the match as a pre-tax match. Okay, so then you uh, okay. So, so they get a tax break to do it. Gotcha. That makes sense. So so the total so, yeah. amount going in is six. Yes. Between the two different types of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. And how much do you so have? Total. Yeah. How much is in there? Is six thousand two hundred sixty-one and eighteen cents. Perfect. So and not a lot. What's we're gonna try about? So, what did you um? Did you have any monies from the the past job, or this is all? Combined? Um. Well, this is all combined because I was working here beforehand. So when I came back, they just picked up kind of where I left off. Perfect. Um, yeah. So I have an idea. What if when you get done with the student loan payment, you put that into the retirement, or at least a percentage all of it? Five hundred. No, you don't have to do the whole 500, but you oh. could do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, end, like the re- oh end the recording. End the recording. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no. <laughs> recorded, ended. Um, what yeah, if you yeah, did, okay. what if you did, let's see, because I'd like to get you up to like 10% or 12%. I think it would be great. Yeah, I definitely want to bump it to the point where I don't really feel it. So, <laughs> like, I'm obviously spending all this money on like loans and car loans. So, like, I wouldn't necessarily feel it in my budget as much if I bump it up as soon as I'm done paying things off. Exactly. It needs to be like a seamless. Um, and also yeah. remember, <laughs> then the other thing is if you keep the side gig for another year or two years, all of that money is extra. Yeah. Meaning it's not yeah, allocated exactly. anywhere. So that right. could go into your emergency fund or that could go for another financial goal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just bumping it up to 10 as in like 10 on my end or like 10 including the match. You can you can use their match. So I would try and I would okay. start with bumping it up to 10 and see how it feels. So um yeah. you're already doing if they're doing the match there. And you could keep splitting it. So I get this is the part where a little bit of preference plays in, I think. They say, mm-hmm. everybody says when you're young, you should only do the Roth. I'm of the mm. attitude, if I can get you to save for retirement, it makes me happy. It doesn't matter to me if you do it in Roth or pre-tax. Right. I've been hearing like a lot about like people like having preferences for one or the other, but like it all like coming down to like, the person who's actually putting it away and having those preferences. Yes. And so I'm a big believer that um, when it comes to your money, there's a psychology aspect of it. So some people, Mm -hmm. you obviously do a really good job with your budget and you're very diligent about your money. So I think you probably could do it in the Roth and stick to it. But yeah. If it feel if you put it in the Roth and you feel like you're missing too much of your paycheck and you're like I just sacrificed to get my loans paid off and I still feel like it's too strict of a budget, then you could switch the yeah. contribution to pre-tax. Okay. Yeah, and that that would mean I get more money cuz I'm not paying tax when it goes in. Exactly. Exactly. But okay. I would start yeah. with the Roth because the thing about the Roth that's mm-hmm. really nice is you're paying tax on it 
but you shouldn't be in a particularly high tax bracket at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it grows tax deferred. And then when you take your money out of a Roth, it's tax free, but you have to leave it in there for five years or be older than 59 and a half. So it's definitely for retirement. Same as the pre-tax. The the big difference with the pre-tax is you get, you don't pay tax on it when it goes in, but you pay tax on it when you take it out after 59 and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. I think I would rather not take tax on it later. Okay. I feel like when I see that number, I want it to be that number. number. Yes. So not like your paycheck. Yes. Okay. So then do the Roth. So then bump up your Roth when you get done with your student loans. And Mm -hmm. I think, let's see, as a percentage of your salary, because if your salary ends up being 56 gross, and let's say we take 300, that's 3,600 a month you'd be putting in, or 3,600 a year you'd be putting in addition to retirement. And then you get 200 Mm -hmm. in your budget, right? And 300 would go into the retirement plan. So that would work out actually to be 6% of your salary. Oh, much smaller. No, much bigger. So that would actually bump you up to a total of, if you add it it 6% in to what you're currently doing. Yep. If you add it 6% in, then you would be you know, 8% there, you'd be at a 12% contribution and you would still get more money back. Okay. In the budget. Nice. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. Want to do that? Yeah. So I would bump up the Roth from two to eight, is it? To 8%. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And then leave the okay. pre-tax alone and then see how it feels if you, but it should be fine. Uh, because remember that yeah. $500 that you're using for the student loan, um, is an after-tax dollar anyway. Yeah. Right. So you're paying and tax in order really to get 500 that. in your budget. Yep, exactly. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay, I can definitely do that. Perfect. Okay, great. So then we'll get you up to a 12% retirement, which is fantastic. And you'll have a good emergency fund. You'll have literally no real debt to speak of, except the car loan, but you'll get that paid off and it, and you'll have your car for a bit. And you could always save then you could put the extra money that you have, like the money from the side gig could go into an account and that could be for your next car or it could be yeah. saving for another financial goal. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely planning on running this car into the ground, but eventually I'm sure I'll need another car maybe in like 10 years. <laughs> so what other, what else have you, I'm curious, what else have you been learning? So you said you just recently got into listening to all the money yeah. podcasts. Yeah, so things I've been like, trying to like incorporate now is obviously like this huge goal of like owning like property and like making an income off of it I am gonna like have to like at some point take care of my mom I don't think she no I know she doesn't have any retirement because she's been a nanny most of her life and hasn't been saving for retirement so I'm like trying to figure out ways to like set myself up to be able to take care of her but also like have stuff (laughs) um so I think that's great foresight and that's something that's not talked about a lot on podcasts and it's something that I see a lot in my real job where Mm -hmm. you know if your parent doesn't plan for retirement it it can end up falling on you and it is it is I think it is really important if you think that's what's going to happen to plan for it because then you're just more prepared and then it doesn't derail your own retirement you know you have it set up and you know she doesn't need it she doesn't need it but then you're ready ready to go and what I do see for a lot of those where the child becomes a caretaker for the parent or needs to assist the parent is I see very Mm -hmm. often either a mother-in-law suite in a house right yeah or or two family where you know 
either the parent moves in with the child and the income property helps offset. And the uh, uh, so that's what we see, see pretty commonly. The other thing to ask, um, do you know if your mom pays into Social Security? Is she on the books? I think so. Right, because even if she didn't save for, um, even if she didn't save any of her own, like you have your retirement, you have your emergency fund, even if she didn't really save up for retirement, if she was being yeah. paid on the books as a nanny, meaning it was a W-2, like you get a paycheck, she would have been paying into yeah. Social Security that entire time. Okay. Yeah. And so then she definitely she, did taxes with it. So does that like guarantee yes. that there was? It, it doesn't okay. guarantee, okay. but it, then it means that she was paying yeah. into Social Security. So I definitely think, um, you know, these can be uncomfortable conversations, but I think if you structure it appropriately where it comes from, like, I just want to make sure you're taken care of and I'm doing my own planning. So I thought I'd sit down and go over planning with yeah. you, but you could find out. Yeah. And the way you find out what her social security benefit is, is she would go to the website and you could help her ssa.gov. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on there, it will tell you her social security benefit at early retirement, which is 62 at her full retirement. And depending on her age, that will be most likely between the ages of 66 or 67. And they use, Mm, you won't like this because it's not a round number, but like 66 (laughs) in three months or 66 in five months, but somewhere between there. (laughs) And then the highest benefit she'd be entitled to would be if she didn't take it until the age of 70. And so if you were looking for her, a lot of people go out and take it right at 62. And for single women, life expectancy is longer than a single, you know, than a single male, just actuarially. Yeah. And so it yeah. would be interesting to look to see what her number is at 70 and maybe try and help her bridge that gap so she gets to the higher benefit. Because maybe yeah. then that would be enough to cover her living expenses and food. Yeah. I definitely think I could cover her until then. I think the way I've been like operating is like I have this budget I, that I based on like my very first like paychecks of like trying to like mm-hmm. live under my means. And like, I just hope like the more money I make that I continue to live at that same like amount. I think my housing is going to go up at some point from 800 to something else. But I'm like trying to not get the like lifestyle creep that everybody talks about. I was just gonna say it's lifestyle creep and it is dangerous I think it's dangerous (laughs) because yeah one it's really easy you think about it as a ladder it's really easy to move up the ladder it is really painful to fall down the ladder so if you get yourself up to a level where you're used to driving a certain type of car or being able to buy certain types of food or go out to dinner without thinking or take an uber without worrying about it or without budgeting for it, maybe. And then all of a sudden that's taken exactly. away. It can be traumatic for people or just like uncomfortable, right? Because you now all of a sudden your lifestyle changes. So I think, yeah. and I'm a big believer of keeping your expenses really, really low for as long as you can, you know, and incrementally, right. like, you know, you'll get the money back from student loans, you'll increase the retirement, incrementally moving it up. But right. I really believe in keeping the lifestyle creep you know, out of the picture for as long as possible. Because you have, what what you have on your side right now is you have, you're going to have next to nothing in debt, right? After the student loans are paid off. Because a car loan, Mm -hmm. car loan and and house payment is, you know, it's a structured debt. So they're not taking advantage of you with an Mm -hmm. interest rate, right? It's not capitalization of interest. So you know how long you're paying, you know when you're done. It's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. And then, so that doesn't, worry me but you also have really low housing which is amazing and a side gig so you have a real opportunity to move the needle in your finances 
Um, yeah. And you could even, if you, I would, I would, if I were you, cause I'm a planner, I would try and figure out where you think your mom is from a social security income standpoint, like mm-hmm. what you think she'll be entitled to and then figure out what you think she, her gap would be. And then that way you could plan for it now. Mm-hmm. Like, Cause how old right, is your mom And now? like make a actual plan. Yeah. Yeah. How, how old is your mom yeah. right now? She is, let's see. She was born in 1968. Do I know how to do math? Is the question. So 2021, she's 1958, 53. Oh, okay. So your mom, so you could really have a good 10 to 12 years to help plan with your mom. And honestly, if you sat down with her now, she could probably cover her own gap because she has enough time. The key is time. Right. Yeah. Right. And so she just started working at a job like where she gets a like 401k I want her to quit it though because it's like she's like older and she's like delivering food like walking upstairs in like the bay area so it's like I'm like "Mm, I'd rather you do a job that's easier on your body but she she likes it I mean yeah I would sit down sit down with your mom because I think that probably if even if she worked another 12 years into 65 she could probably mm-hmm. save a little bit or you could figure out what you would need to help her to get her from 65 to right. 70 and then hopefully the 70 number is enough to cover her expenses with the social security right yeah that would that would be a good maybe be able to hold herself over until she gets that and i could like supplement yep you could always help out regardless. if you needed to yeah okay I like that. Yeah, because the social I didn't know about the social security website. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, you could well, look because, up that number. <laughs> yeah, you can look up the number. You have to create a log and everything, but you have to look up the number. Yeah. But yeah, social security is something people, you know, when you're in your when you're younger, you don't think about it. But it is it can be a game changer um for a lot of people who are looking to retire. And I always um push people to consider delaying it if they can, because that number grows between full retirement age. I think her full retirement age given her age is gonna be sixty seven. So between 67 and yeah. 70, it'll, the benefit will grow by 8% a year. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm on the side of like holding off on taking out the money if it's going to be more later. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would definitely look into that because then you can have more data points for your planning, right? So you'll know, okay, her social security yeah. benefits, you know, 1700 a month at 70 and she really needs probably 2000 a month. So I'll, I'll be helping her. And then it's a total known variable versus an unknown variable, which is harder to plan for. Yeah, right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So I can do that planning with her. She's like pretty open about stuff. So it's not like it'll be an issue having the conversation. I just have to know what I'm talking about. Perfect. Okay, good. That's good. But yeah, we. I see it. I, I feel like I've been seeing it more and more. And it's something I feel like that's not talked about a ton, but like having those conversations with your with your parents when you know it'll most likely you know, fall on you. So then that way yeah. you can alleviate some potential problems because we have a bunch of time now before she's going to retire. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Versus, great. Yeah. So, so work on that. <laughs> a little homework. Yeah. <laughs> a little homework. Yeah, for sure. And so the other thing I was like learning about, I think I heard it more from you actually, is like sinking funds. But I think I like struggle with like how to even set up a sinking fund and like how to go about like putting numbers to that um but like I have a list of things that like in my head should be sinking funds um I just don't know if I should just put the money in my savings account like with my other money and just 
pull from it and replenish it once I use it? Yes. Okay. So a sinking fund um, is where kind of like what I said earlier, where you're going to put money aside and then like for the car, for example. Right. So you know that down the road, you're probably going to need another car. Um, Right. So at the, at the end of your car payment, you will have saved additional monies, assuming that at the end of the car payment, you might need another car, probably have a couple of years after that. Okay. So you can set aside the money for the car payment then so that you don't have a car payment in the future. So that would be one thing you could do. That's enough. So that's where it, where I would actually use the part-time job, you know, the university Mm. summer gig, because that works out to be 7,500 a year. Right. So that money could go into your emergency fund. You could earmark it separately and save for a future car so that you had money for a car when the time comes. Yeah. Or you could save it. I'm not as opposed to having a car payment, really. If that's, yeah, as it's gonna much be, as like. Yeah, the student loans I don't like, credit cards I don't like, obviously. Yeah. And it's your only real debt um, and you have such a good budget. So to me, I don't know, that one doesn't really bother me. My thought is something you said maybe a little earlier about the ha- buying a house. I think to yeah. me, I would rather you save those monies for a house because if you do that summer gig for three years, that's a nice chunk of change you'll put away. Right. Yeah. And that's like the biggest thing I'm like the least confident about. It's like, cause from at least what I've been hearing is like people saying like 20% is the best way to go about it. But at the same time, like I listened to one podcast where they were like, depending on how much you have to pay for that, like insurance that if you don't pay the 20%, you have to pay, like sometimes it makes sense to, that you don't have to like pay 20%, but. So that's called your, it feels like wasted money. Well, yeah. So here, yeah, it is. Cause you're paying an additional insurance because you didn't put 20% down. That being said, what makes me nervous when people get into a property where they don't put 20% down is when they're not very diligent with their money, where they could have maybe saved 20% Mm -hmm. down, but they didn't have a great budget. Because the problem is when you get into a house is any problem is yours. So you don't get the luxury of calling a landlord and saying, hey, the dryer isn't working, the refrigerator is not working, the furnace isn't working. You know, all of those are your expenses. And typically when it comes to a house, when there's a problem, it's expensive. Yeah, and you obviously have uh, to can't be without a furnace in winter because it, it doesn't break in the summer, right? It like only breaks. Of course not <laughs> in the winter. But I don't yeah. think that. Um, and also based on income and stuff, you can look and see. Sometimes they have different housing programs, so you don't always have yeah. to have twenty percent down. I think for you, if you did ten percent or fifteen percent, that would be a good number. Also because you'll have by that point. Let's just say if you continue with 200 a month in your emergency fund as well, yeah. your emergency fund at that point would be probably closer to 15,000, right? Yeah, probably. And then your, you know, if we use that 7,500 and that goes into a bank account for the next three years, so after this summer, so three years out from that, so we'll say you'll be 32, so 29, 30, mm-hmm. 31, so the following year, you'll have... So you'd have fifteen thousand in an emergency fund. You'll have twenty two thousand five hundred saved for a down payment. Yeah, and you could even wait another year. But then, right? how much then, should you? I guess my question, because I know I've heard you talk about like kind of like your whole house thing happening once you bought a house, having to dig up all this stuff. But like, should there be a separate emergency fund for your house as opposed to like, do you put your living emergency fund and your house emergency fund together? 
So I like, ideally you could separate it, but that's why you could, if if the next, so your savings right now, your 8,000 that you have is a really good number given what your expenses are, right? So 8,000 at this point in my life, at this point in your life, you have enough of an emergency fund. So if you got up to 15,000, you could really earmark and say, you know, half of this is for the house, half of this is for me, but you have enough of a buffer Mm -hmm. that if the house emergency fund got used up, you would use up some of your personal emergency fund. Cause really then your emergency fund for the half, you know, I just like to make sure that people have enough money set aside and then depending yeah. on what it looked like with interest rates, taxes, and interest is I always like to set aside a little bit of money monthly for maintenance and repairs. And then that could go into that separate house right. fund so that, you know, you'd be saving from there. So let's just say more, let's say realistically you're 28, let's say at 34 is the age to do it, right? Because then you yeah. get another, if you kept the summer gig, you would get that mm-hmm. house fund up or 33, 34, but let's just say the 7,500 you save for four years, right? That gets you up to 30,000 mm-hmm. as a down payment, right? Yeah. And it gets us another year for the emergency fund. So you would have um, 48 months at 200. That's 9,600 you'd have as an, emerg- an additional emergency fund. And you'll probably end up with a little right. bit more because I'm just using $200 a month. For right, your emergency right. And it's going to be more than that. Yeah. So point. your emergency fund is 17,000. Your house fund is three is 30,000. You have enough liquidity, you know, if there was an emergency right with the house and then once you're in the house, probably not the first year but the second year you would start saving a little bit monthly for maintenance and expenses. Yeah. Okay. So my <laughs> my budget, my <laughs> idea of saving for a home and saying it's $80,000 for my down payment is a little dramatic. It sounds like you can shoot for that. Hey, I like a high bar. So you can shoot for that. But I think, um, and here's the thing, if you know it's going to, it's a tangible thing that you're saving for, maybe then mm-hmm. you do save a bit more than the summer money, right? Maybe, you know, right. at the end of the month, you're more diligent or in the winter, you decide to spend less money out and you're going to eat at home more. So that's a hundred percent up to you. But I think those numbers are really realistic using this exact budget, right? Right. Okay. And we know that we have wiggle sense. room with it. But I, I think targeting like 33, 34 for down payment and then and then looking and seeing what's available. Because you don't have to okay. at 30. You could wait till 36, right? You don't right. yeah. have to. Or you could maybe yeah, find a deal somewhere. And find and a nice place. Yeah. Or maybe something comes up earlier and – And you save more than you thought. Yeah. The other thing would be like, this is like a fake dream of mine. I don't actually know if I want to do this. I think I think I want to do it kind of like I think I like camping. Um, But it's in my mind, I'm like buying a like fixer upper, like financially in my head makes a lot of sense. And I could make it into what I wanted it to be. But does that actually like, is that actually true? I think I watch a lot of HGTV and they're like, oh, if you buy this cheaper house and it's only this much to make it what you want it to be. Yeah, so a fixer upper scares me. And fixer, how <laughs> how good are you at fixing up things? Like how handy are? You? Oh, like, I'm not good at all. I'm not handy at all. <laughs> so I think that answers my question of like maybe it's not for me. So I think that there are definitely people who can do it and it works. Um, I am not a handy person, so like I almost bought a fixer upper and then 
found a house. Like I was like, it was the night before I put a contract down. So it was like the night before my availability to walk out, like walk away without losing money. Yeah. And I was like praying and I was do like, I really this, yeah, like, is this really like the right decision for me? If this is not the right decision to me, please show me something else that's a better decision for me. <laughs> and so I went on Zillow and yeah. I was like, this has to be a fake listing. And I like looked at this and like showed it to my dad. And my dad's like, this is amazing. Like this is, this is the house you need to buy. It's like totally renovated. You don't have to worry uh, about anything. Yeah. And so then I walked on the other fixer upper, which, you know, had a stunning views. It had like a great lot, but it really was going to be like a ton of work. Um, and what I found out now mm-hmm. moving into a house that's totally renovated, not to say it has to be totally renovated. You could always do things incrementally um, is that I, I literally yeah. know nothing. Like I, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. I will want to learn. I would love to know more about HVAC, like I furnaces. Like I don't, I have an old furnace in one yeah. property and a new furnace, but yeah, it, 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 so I'm basically at the mercy of tradespeople who can come in and help me. And so, yeah. um, hopefully get good ones, <laughs> hopefully get good ones. You never know. And so I would say, I think the way to go would be to look for, um, either any programs where, you know, with your income, you would qualify. Like sometimes they have housing lotteries or housing programs. Um, you definitely would be a first time yeah. home buyer. But they have different ones. Like there's one out here in Utah. If you're under within a certain income level, you can get into a lottery and then buy a house and they have all these different benefits for you. Um, yeah. So that's something I would definitely look at with your income and then, but continue to save. And I would say maybe not like a total fixer upper, but you could get something that like, okay, this isn't the kitchen I want or the it's bathroom I want, but yeah. not perfect, but I can update those things over a year, you know, like one, I want to save for a new bathroom renovation or a kitchen renovation. And also there's a lot that can be done with paint. Right. Yeah. A lot that can be done with paint. <laughs> and I paint definitely can a- paint. I feel like I definitely can yes. do that. <laughs> yes. I have painted walls. I mean, they're definitely not perfect, but you know, it works. So yeah. I, I would say right. more of not like a true fixer upper where like you need new plumbing and new electric and full reno. Yeah. Cause that's also a lot of right. work, like time-wise. Um, so I would say something maybe that doesn't aesthetically when you walk in isn't perfect, but that you could yeah. you could do with wallpaper, you know, the sticky wallpaper or painting or more, I would say the aesthetics, not like the structure, structural stuff Yeah, would be the way yeah. I would go. Okay. And to give you an idea, I think you could probably, I just want to see like mortgage wise, I think probably two, you would look in the range of like, 250 to 300 because then okay. if you saved 30,000 that, that would be, be my 10, next question 10% down um so you're yeah I think I when I like go on Zillow and start looking at like condos or houses I'm always like what is affordable like I don't even know what number is like a deal <laughs> so let's just see in Massachusetts so the here's the and this would be much higher the chances are though that I I there's a chance I'll move to like the DMV area and like buy something in like Maryland outside of DC because um, Boston is just so expensive and I don't know if I want to stay here. Long Boston time. is so expensive and let's see to give you an idea and so here's where the right now with the mortgage rates um, they're so low so interest rates are so low so you don't spend a ton on yeah. interest so that that's great. The problem is taxes. 
So taxes mm. is where you you really have to look at the taxes in the area because so for instance, if you purchase a home for two hundred fifty thousand and you put ten percent down for two hundred twenty five thousand, it was a thirty year fixed rate at let's just say three point five percent interest in Massachusetts. Your, they're saying your property tax would be three thousand one hundred and twenty-five, and then you have home insurance, right? A year. A year. Yep. Which oh I actually think. Okay. I think that, Is that feels affordable. <laughs> I was to say it feels a little low. Um, to give you an idea, I uh, purchased. Okay. A, yeah, I purchased a property in upstate New York for two hundred eighteen thousand dollars, and my property tax mm-hmm. are running just taxes about twelve thousand a year. Wow. So my taxes are more than my mortgage. Yes. So that's where, yes, you have to look at taxes in the area because the thing about the taxes is they never go away. They only go up. Yeah. Where your mortgage, you could be paid off. crazy amount of money. Yes. So for instance, Mm. on this little figure I ran you, total monthly payment would be, let's say around 1,400. Your mortgage would be about 1,000, but your taxes fees, so PMI, home insurance, and property tax would come to four. Hundred on that, so yeah, I think that's reasonable. But you can find other areas, so that's where you want to look. You want to look at you always want, in my opinion, you always want to look at the taxes in the area. Yeah, I didn't even realize that that's like a big thing I should be looking at. I definitely need to take like a home virus course or something to like get all these like details on like what owning a house actually costs. Yes, right. Because then in top on top of the fourteen hundred, right, you'd also want to save a little bit. You have your electric, Wi-Fi, gas, maintenance, yeah, right? You want to put away some money, everything yeah. else. So I definitely think it's a very viable option for you, but I, I think say, continuing to save up. And then you have a steal with your rent right now. I think that's a fantastic price yeah. and it allows you to save for all these other goals. And then I think when you're looking mm-hmm. to buy, you just need to look look at the taxes in the area because I think yeah, the taxes to me, you can afford the mortgage. Right, exactly. And that's all I've been paying attention to. Yes. You got to look at the taxes. My sister, Natasha, you know, who comes on the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, didn't look at the taxes either. And she is buying in a high tax area. So we literally cut the house budget in half. So she could afford the mortgage on a house double the price. She couldn't afford the taxes. So we cut it in half. And then I don't know if you listened to that episode, but in New York, you have to pay your taxes in advance, you know, when you're purchasing the property. So she had the so she called me. New York like, seems like the worst place to buy. Yeah, I would definitely. New York is terrible. I'm just like <laughs> ragging on New York. Even though I own in New York, but and I'm, there's certain areas in New York that are like probably farther upstate where you pay less in tax. Yeah. But she called me and was like, right. "The bank made a mistake. These numbers can't be correct." I was like, "No, those are <laughs> yeah, those are your closing costs." And she's like, "Why? Who pays taxes up front?" And I was like, "Well, this is the process." So. <laughs> Yeah, they're not lying. It's kind of like when you get your first job and realize how much money they take out, and you're like, "What is happening?" Yeah, like why is this happening to me? But yeah, I would. So here, I think your opportunity is get the student loans paid off, up your four hundred one k, do the Roth option, and then continue yeah. to be so diligent about your budget. And then I would right. continue saving in your emergency fund as you are, and then all of the extra money outside of that amount, even if would go towards, I think, a house fund. And I think it's a great thing to work towards. Yeah. And and then also the other thing is sit down with your mom so that you can add that into your plan so that it's – because you have enough right. time to help her plan. And then do you have, like, 
I don't know if you ever mentioned this, but like percentages in terms of like how much, like, I know you mentioned like, it's good that like my scheduled costs are like about like half of my income for the month. But is that like generally what it should be? Like you try to keep your like expenses to like half of what you make per month. You are way ahead of the numbers that they give you. Okay. <laughs> I so always I should, like wonder if I'm like doing it right. <laughs> you are you are nailing it. So te- technically like what I was, there's like different benchmarks and typically the benchmarks okay. are a lot more lenient. And so like, I like to be a bit more aggressive because I think the yeah. only way you get ahead and change your situation is to take a step back and, you know, have a higher savings goal so that you can then leapfrog. Mm-hmm. So yeah. one way to look at it is usually your housing and everything is like one paycheck. So you're ahead of that. So basically you live on mm-hmm. one paycheck and save the other, which is more aggressive than what the numbers say. Um, but I, I think mm-hmm. it's great. And I think while you can, uh, that's absolutely how I would do it because that's going to be the reason you are able to buy a house. You have a great emergency fund. You're going to have a great retirement. Yeah. So yeah. What does the retirement end up being? Is there like a calculation for like, should I be trying to get to 15%? I know that people throw out that number too. So here's an easy way you can do it going forward is every time you, if you get a raise, you could split it with yourself and then that'll bump you up over the years. Right. 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 So if they say we're giving you a 2% raise, just add 1%. So then you're at 13. Yep. So so I never feel it still. You never feel it still, which is... Okay, great. So slowly your marks are ready for other. Yeah, you won't feel. It'll be totally painless. I promise. So that's the way. And they say you should be doing. I think the number is like ten percent. I think it should be higher, which is why I want it higher. Right. Because you don't have a pension, you know. And so every time you get a raise, I would just split it with yourself. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I can do that, and then that will eventually put me at fifteen. And then should I stop at fifteen, or should I try to like? Just keep going with the raise. I would just, splitting them just that. keep going. And you, what, what will okay. happen is because life changes is you'll just have to reevaluate where you are, right? So right. Okay. At, at a certain point, let's say when you get to 15%, you're going to say, okay, you know, the housing thing is something I want to move up. So I'm comfortable mm, with where my right. retirement is. And when I run out that number, right? Because you can estimate and use a calculator where you think that retirement account's going to be, right? And you say, okay. Mm-hmm. The house thing is I really, the next 24 months, so I'm going to not add any more to the retirement because I'm going to bump up the housing because I want to do that sooner than later. You Right. But I would keep raising the retirement. Okay. It's better to have more money there than less. I have never had anyone come into my office and say to me, man, you know what? I saved too much. Shouldn't have done right. it. Not have, has not happened yeah. yet. So. Yeah. I'm just- Sure, I won't kick myself later. Same. No, no one has done. No one has been like rats. I have too much money here. Yeah. I can retire earlier than I thought. Okay, cool. So these are. This is great. I've been like going crazy about these numbers, and now I feel much better about. I think the the plan and the moving forward. Yeah, I think you're nail. I mean, I think you're doing a great job, and I love that you brought up about your mom because I think that some people kind of like know that might happen and they're like, I'm just going to hope it doesn't. And yeah, I just hope it works out later. I hope that it works out and my parent has it figured out and then we'll deal with it then. And it gets stressful then because I've, I've talked to people where, you know, the parent needs to retire physically can't do it. And like, there was no plan and they kind of thought maybe the parent would figure it out and then the parent didn't. Yeah. And then it becomes a bit of an emergency and it's always so much better to have those conversations in advance because the, if it's an emergency, the emotions are heightened, and so it becomes a just more stressful yeah, conversation. Right. 
So I love that you're already thinking about that. And then because there's so much time, it actually might, you might find out when you talk to your mom and you could help her because you're learning all of this personal finance, you know, literacy and education, you might even be able to help her where she doesn't really need your help, but you can still help her. Um, So I think that's great. Yeah. So super excited to have that conversation with her. Yeah. You'll have to, uh, Nikki, you'll have to come back on and keep us posted. Yeah. And hopefully the next time I come on, I'll have no loans and I'll have a bunch of money saved for a home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like you're going to really like nail the savings because I, I yeah. love that you're That's you the part I'm, like, really good at. <laughs> yeah. You're really good at it. So I would just keep doing that and then we can see where you are. And I bet you'll have more in your retirement. You'll have more in your emergency fund. You'll have more in your house fund. And all these numbers will probably, yeah. you'll end up hitting much earlier than you expect it. And then we can just reevaluate. Yeah. Okay. Super excited. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, For all of our lovely listeners, you can subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can check out our Instagram for our most most up-to-date information. We have some exciting things coming for 2022. And you can find us on www.futurerichpodcast.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.